I'm Joe Muggs and this is a really special interview for me because it's come off the back of the book that I put together this year, Bass Mids Tops, which is a history of sound system culture and its influence on the wider culture of the UK. And during the discussion event that we had at uh, an exhibition at Red Bull, the two guests here started a very interesting conversation between the generations. Before we get into that, uh, can you introduce yourselves? My name is Jumping Jack Frost. And my name is Shy One. Between you, two of my favorite DJs, in any case, in any genre, is extremely talented in the studio too. But one of the stories that came up in uh, the interview, so in the book, each chapter is an interview with people spanning uh, a long period of UK music history and um, Jumping Jack Frost comes somewhere in the middle, and uh, Shy One, I think, is the youngest of the interviewees. So in Shy's chapter, she spoke about uh, a very early experience of music, which was? Literally the earliest record that I ever remembered was Leviticus Burial off of my mum's, she had a mixtape by Chemistry and Storm, uh, I think it was called like Thunder and no, sorry, Thunder and Joy. Is that someone mm-hmm. else? Thunder and Joy was a big was, jungle night. Yeah. yeah. So my mum was listening to a Thunder and Joy tape, either that or a different one. Anyway, and that tune was my absolute favourite when it came on. It was released, I believe, in '93. I would have been three years old, wow, but yeah. that is the earliest musical memory that I have. And then I later found out that, well, we'll get into the rest. But I also found out the sample, one of the samples in it is my my friend's dad like you know basically my uncle as well um so yeah Leviticus Burial earliest musical memory and song that I didn't get the track title for like didn't ID it properly until much later but this was like the perfect illustration of this kind of whole web of influences that goes through underground music you know it's 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 in in trying to do this book I was always trying to um, get as many voices in as possible and show how these kind of webs of connections go across the generations and how like you know it's not just samples that are handed down it's like it's the knowledge and it's the the understanding of socializing and all these different things so not only was that track made by Jumpy Jack Frost and not only did it feature your friend's uncle's studio but Frost you uh, have other relationships with Shy, which only came up afterwards, I guess. I mean... Yeah, because I'm, I'm good friends with her dad, you know what I mean? I've known him. He was one of the people that inspired me when I first started going to the African Centre, Soul to Soul and Jazzy B and Trevor. So, 
It's crazy. It's like it just goes round in a circle. Do you know what I mean? So, Charlotte's dad is Trevor Nelson, and Jazzy is your godfather. Wow, because Jazz, Jazzy, Jazzy's like both Jazzy and Trevor. I spoke to Berries like a, a couple of days ago. Do you know what I'm saying? And he he wrote a part. He wrote. He's like wrote in my book and all that. He's part of. He's in the book talking about me, about the first time when they met me and stuff. And I was like. I was like, I wasn't, I was a kind of like a bad kid. I was just running around crazy. And um, and Trevor and Jazzy were two of the people that really influenced me to get into the, to, to do what I do now. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's interwoven history. I was going out to um, um, Camden and listening to um, Soul to Soul. I was going to the Africa Centre every Sunday religiously. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where I met Trevor and Jazzy. Do you know what I mean? And um, we just became good friends. They were like, Carl, behave yourself, man. Do you know what I mean? And like, I was just like, I was just like, oh, just, you know, let, allow me, man. But they were like, come on, you gotta behave in there, man. Do you know what I mean? And, um, but you know, we're all really, we're all really cool friends now. We're really good friends, man. And uh, what did they actually get you involved? Because you were like, I, I was just carry boxes and stuff. Or? No, no, I was just, I was just into the music and I just like, used to go there and just talk to them and learn from them and they were like just you know they were always had a lot of time for me do you know what i'm saying always had a lot of time for me i was very enthusiastic and i think they could see that i was just really into it do you know what i'm saying and um you know i just learned a lot from them man just got a lot of guidance from them it's, it's crazy because I was, I was saying to her earlier i remember going into hamley's a couple of years in a row with my daughter i'm bumping into each other we sort of bump into each other in hamley's do you know what i'm saying so yeah, you know, we're just we're, we're 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 good friends, man. We're cool. And that mix of music in eighties, late mid late eighties London. Um, I mean, how would you characterise what was being played at that point, pre kind of acid house and you getting well, a boogie, rare groove, funk, hip hop? You know what I mean? You've got a soul to soul. It was just that vibe, that rare groove vibe, like Larry Young's Fuel, the Meters. Tunes like, did I mean like, you know, Eddie Harris? You know, I mean, music like that was being played at that time. Do you know what I mean? Like real boogie kind of. You know what I mean? And they had, you know, Tosca and that electric ballroom upstairs in the little room, which was like, you know, what I mean, jazz central man. People just some fast footwork was going on in there them days then, man. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's everything from '60s to what was then the cutting edge. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, so yeah. It's... Up to like Mantronics at that time. Yeah. That was like from the rear groove up to like Mantronics, you know what I mean? And then, you know, Acid House kind of came in after that. It's funny, I've been going back to Mantronics and realising how important he specifically was for British music at that oh, time. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Because I've been listening to like Nana Cherry's album then yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Smith and Mighty stuff from then, which yeah. was kind of the cutting edge yeah. of UK music. And it's... You remember like, remember like, I remember like, remember like the Yellow Magic Orchestra? Like, <laughs> that's like crazy <laughs> shit. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's like the f that's like one of the first electronic records that I ever bought, the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Do you know what I'm saying? So I recently got put onto them. Huh? I recently got put onto them. That's crazy. How did, it go, how did it get put onto them, man? You know what? It's actually my partner. My partner's not even from here. Like my partner's Canadian, yeah. into like East Asian jazz, funk, yeah. and R and B and pop. Like yeah. and put me onto yeah, wow. amazing. Like, it blows my mind to hear that that was... Do you say it's the first record you That's bought? the first electronic record. I electronic bought. record you bought, yeah. Like, to hear that you were electronic raving... Electronic, right? Space Invaders shit on it. That record that you're talking about? Yeah. The Space Invaders one. 
That's like the first electronic record I ever bought. See, it's nuts because I never... The fact that you were raving with my dad and my godfather to the music that I associate them with, yeah? Those two, those two played that record too, yeah? Yeah. Oh, see, your dad played that, your dad played that tune. Your uncle played that tune. The Yellow Magic, Magic Orchestra, Space Invaders tune. That was groundbreaking in his day. I was about to say, they don't know about music. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That's nuts. I mean, there's the, right. I, I'm just going to like link back into the book here because there's multiple connections. Okay, I mean, this is this is what it's all about, really. So, number one, you mentioned chemistry and Storm. So, DJ Storms in my book, um, you know, she's a vital part of the history. She kind of joins um, the Acid Era to Goldie to all of these things. Um, but also, like even Yellow Magic Orchestra have got a UK sound system connection because Dennis Bavel, who's the first interviewee in the book um did a record with ryuchi sakamoto from yellow magic orchestra he produced riot in lagos which is like a, a classic 80s electronic boogie funk record um so so straight away you kind of have got these links in and out of you know dennis bavel who's a barbadian british dub producer japanese electro and it's all there in the 80s i mean the reason i asked frost about that kind of mixture is because like you're involved with touching base now. Yeah. And it's almost like something's come full circle to the same mixture that was there in the 80s, which is jazz, R&B, Latin, kind of spiritual jazz, electro, uh, and UK bass music. And yet it's in, you're making new combinations out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm playing all of it on like, touching base is a perfect example. I've never thought to kind of compare touching bass to like what they were doing and like as in that mix of sounds um but for real i suppose it probably is a similar kind of vibe where yeah we'll play some sunrun and we'll play like some some acid house and we'll play like some classic 90s house stuff and then like some funk and some mary j blige or something and all under one roof yeah that's good in one night and I'll, and i'll sample some of these as you know and put them in a grind beat or something I mean, because what happened was Acid House took everything over, uh, as I'm sure you'll agree first. Um, so in 1988, everything changed. In 1988, everything changed, man. Acid House is an explosion. It's like a cultural explosion. Do you know what I mean? Like people from different backgrounds who would never have met all coming together under one roof. Do you know what I mean? I think it was more just, it was more than a musical revolution. It was a different, definite cultural revolution in in terms of just the eclectic mix of people from different backgrounds and, and cultures all coming together under this crazy banner called Acid House that was just so groundbreaking. Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, it, within the story of the book, I've concentrated, obviously, in the kind of reggae and hip-hop side and as people came into it. So you see one side of Acid House. But for everyone, there was a different story about 1988. You know, I mean, you know, I'm of an age where it was my older, my friend's older brothers and sisters kind of thing. But I lived in a white countryside town. And then suddenly these people were coming back going, you know, we've been to that London. <laughs> We've been to that London, you see all sorts there. And, and you know, they were, they were seeing things that they'd never seen before in their life because they'd normally go to a barn dance or something. And then suddenly they're around gay people and people of all different races and whatever. And then they're all, the same people are all in an aircraft hangar in Luton the next, like the next weekend with an extra 10,000 people. And, and, you know, it was transformational. 
but then you know we we kind of within resident advisor world we all know the story of what happened then you have hardcore you have jungle yeah and then these constant evolutions yeah. of different forms of techno and then dubstep and then grime which is beautiful and, you know what i mean because um you gotta remember uk music at that time wasn't exporting anything to the world we were just importing everything but now you have these all these exports exports of this beautiful bass music in all different kind of forms played by started off from kind of our generation and now you've got young talented people like um shy here that is that's taking it to another level do you know what i'm saying so it's just a beautiful thing and I remember being at university and someone saying to me, this is the first ever British working class music, which yeah. blew me away. I was like, well, really? What about, no, but wait, and punk, but punk was American really first. And, you know, and, and you know, the Beatles were really just doing American R&B, whatever. But like hardcore and then jungle were the first British sounds. And so, you know, it did turn into something unique at that moment. I mean, Shy, if your memories start at Jungle, you've kind of had your whole lifelong immersion in that. Yeah, that's why I suppose. It's funny, like, that was the starting point, but it's maybe taken how many years for me now to get to a point where only now, today in tunes, am I actually playing with breaks and stuff. But it takes a while sometimes to get there, you know, you've got to go full circle. But um, Jungle was definitely the... It was the beginning, but it's probably the genre that I have the least amount of in my collection, the least amount of knowledge. For instance, I only find out use Leviticus like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just by chance because I read a chapter from your book. I think it was. Which I still need to get the rest of it. But Jungle, I suppose, has subconsciously always been like uh, my approach. I think like with it being bass driven, even the way that like, I mix tunes, like going and mixing my tunes down with other people and realizing the way that I the sounds that I prioritise or I, I think it's from, yeah, from kind of first uh, falling in love with electronic music through Jungle. But when you started, like the first things you did were grime. Yeah. And were you aware of the Jungle connections? Because, you know, obviously all of the first generation of grime MCs kind of got their schooling on Deja Vu and Rinse in the Jungle years, in the sort of late Jungle years. Yeah. And did you, did you know that? Did you kind of grasp in your head that that's where they'd come from through them referencing it in like lyrics like dizzy literally saying in lyrics that like he used to buy a jungle records from target or something but it wasn't something where i kind of transitioned with them like oh i i listen to and collect jungle now i'm gonna move to grime next or garage and then grime it um because i was too young like even though i was kind of ahead and doing this from young i was still too young so i was like seven you know when it was jungle me and mum are listening to and then when it's garage a little bit after that and then it's only i literally just came of age i suppose when it was you grew, you grew up with the whole thing yeah but the age when i was like i'm gonna be in my room and listen to this pirate and and i had the timetable like i clocked the timetable of who i want to listen to at the age where i was kind of more interested in curating what i listened to and collected i think was when they had switched the grind people had switched over so i wasn't aware that they had also come from there because i wasn't um kind of paying attention but but as you took DJ more seriously yeah. and production more seriously, did you sort of think about where grime and what you were doing fit within the bigger picture? Or was it just not that you were doing the thing that nah, was... No, not at all, man. It, it was just, it was literally just um, expression. It was like this... Oh, the, I, the only way I can try and describe it I think of like genres or sounds or whatever as to like 
uh, the context of the era or something. And I just felt like I was living in that soundtrack. And so it only made sense as I kind of reached my limit with how much I could get involved, like collecting, listening, DJing and stuff. Then, um, wait, no, we are talking about DJing, not producing, innit? Right, one thing I want to like get a picture of from both of you is how what you do fit into an international context. I mean, Frost, right? When you started, Acid was coming from the States yeah. and you were getting these German and Belgian records uh, I, was playing, I was playing in Germany, I was playing in Holland, I was playing in Belgium. And, you know, these records, you had, you had labels like Lower East Side from Amsterdam, you had like One Car from Belgium, you had RNS from Belgium, and you had this techno, like, underground resistance, Mike Banks and that lot from Detroit. It was, you know what I mean? It was um, very techno. It was crazy those days, man. It was crazy. So this is this is like 1991 now. So yeah, this is 91, man. 88 and 89, acid. It's acid, and then it just started going. You know, the techno was always there, but the US techno was always there. Mm. Underground resistance. Do you know what I mean? They're like one of my favorites ever, man. I love underground resistance. Obviously, you got Derek May, Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, the pioneers of techno. Do you know what I mean? Carl Craig. You got people like Marshall Jefferson in the house. Do you know what I mean? He's a good friend of mine. Big shout to Marshall. He's just got this world of talent and and knowledge that came from the States that we picked up on here and we kind of flipped it. And then, you know, Europe became like the biggest kind of ex, um, exponents of the rave culture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was started in America, but we just took it on another level here. I mean, it, it's funny how uh, a lot of the British producers would hear just that one certain thing in a American or Belgian techno record. So it's the you, know, you hear a record like Strings of Life, it's eternal. Yeah. It's eternal. Derek May, it's just eternal. That record well, goes... Strings of, Strings of Life is one of those records that's like out there on its own, but yeah. something like Just Another Chance, Reese, you know, yeah, the Reese yeah, bass. Yeah, it's yeah. like the British producers heard that bass tone, just yeah, that one yeah, single tone yeah, and ran yeah. with it. Ran, it ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> ran I'm sure they're still using it now yeah yeah, yeah. and you got you know you got people like Kevin Saunders and tunes records like Tronic House big record but it's like the early breakbeat jungle kind of sound but it had that Detroit's feel to it still do you know what I'm saying and Carl Craig as well I Carl mean, Craig's like, a genius do you and, know what I'm and, saying and um, Bug in the Bass Bin was getting played by hardcore and jungle DJs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. did you feel like you guys were um, kind of accepted within a wider global scene because obviously when no because when we first started off obviously we wasn't because you know people must have thought who are these guys but you know it takes years you got you got to do your apprenticeship do you know what I mean and we done ours we done our apprenticeship and people started taking us more seriously and then you know people started looking at us as their peers and their equals do you know what I mean and you get that through hard work you can't you don't, you don't get that shit overnight you have to work hard. You have to really work harder at your craft. I mean, Shai, grime, obviously, is another example of something that took a while to go international, uh, where dubstep, for example, did quite yeah, quickly. Quick. Since then, like post-dubstep, in quotes, um, which is really where a lot of your records land, roughly, because, you know, you kind of, you're, you're, you're between genres, as almost everyone is, I guess, since since 2010. Like, how do you feel about British sound fitting into an international context? I think um, British sound is, it's not even fitting into international context. It's kind of dictating a, a lot of, it is, like, we're quite 
the rest of the world is looking to us a lot. You have like, and I'm not talking about like the music we're into or we can't like, but just one of the biggest artists right now is Drake and he has got his eyes locked to London. Mm. Like he's looking at what the youths are doing. He's taking flows from like kids who live in Lewisham and stuff, which is amazing. And it's not just, so like, just to show you, that's like a, one of the biggest pop stars taken from underground music here. Um, so of course, like, as you go further down and you explore different sounds and stuff like I think the UK is London especially but the UK um, has a very big part to play in in I don't know, the musical landscape of the world right now I think so I believe that yeah like, we're re- like whenever you I, I meet some artist or someone who's connected to some other bigger artist Solange or whatever some person who especially is like known for doing something new right now the whole reason that they're like I don't know, making refreshing music is because they're working with people from the UK or they're taking influence from it or they're coming in and they're hanging out for a bit. Because there was a, a while when the, the, I'm doing the finger quotes again, <laughs> the post-dubstep thing, yeah. people just got kind of swept to Berlin. and yeah. you know, Berlin, Berlin, for me, Berlin is one of the most creative cities in the world right now. You go to Berlin, it's packed wall-to-wall with all kind of artists, musical artists, painters, graffiti. It's just a melting pot of art and creativity, Berlin. It is it's one of the most wonderful cities right now. It's crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they can survive there. They can actually they can earn a living and yeah, pay their rent. Yeah, it's true. Done. It's for real. Um, is drum and bass accepted there? I mean, I remember yeah. one of my friends saying that the most intense rave experience he's had in a long time, and this is an old raver who's kind of, you know, a bit jaded, was seeing D-Bridge in a Berlin techno club. Yep. So the sound yep. system and yep. the... Yep, I played I played in Berlin quite a lot. I've done it three times last year. Do you know what I mean? This year, sorry. Berlin's wonderful place. Love it. I was actually there when the wall came down, you know? Yeah, I was DJing there the night the wall came down. Wow, in 89. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in the book. It's in my book, man. I was there the night the wall came down. I've still got a piece of it, like in at home. I remember giving this one. My mum my, my, my said, Move it from me, the evil. She said, Move it. <laughs> yeah. She said, Move it, man. I could, she said, She could feel the energy on it. I was like, What the fuck, ma? You know what I'm saying? But, but Shai, on this topic of like how London's music is seen, I mean, that's, it's really encouraging because always, you know, everyone's got a different opinion of um, these things. And a lot of people are naturally jaded. They'll always say, Scene's not in walls. And, um, you know, there's no one thing to, that people recognise. But um, you you reckon that even though there is no like one sound that is the London sound now, as it were, there's no there's no jungle, there's no grime. Nah, in well, the sense I mean, there was before that that it's people are still like able to kind of look at London and go, there is an identifying underground club. Yeah, vibe and sound. There's different sounds. I think right now our biggest sound or maybe one that's that's um taking up most people's attention is like the whole afro beat afro swing i think they're calling it kind of r&b dance or influence afro beat influence kind of pop music afro bashment yeah um, yeah i can't keep up with the the sub genres <laughs> but um they um i think right now that's kind of that's really influential but then like someone was playing me some music from a, a guy from years ago from belgium so i'm not sure how much of that is from here and actually maybe influenced by yeah like berlin and other cities um i think yeah there's no real there's no real sound but people still know that you can I think there's no real sound because there's so many different sounds yeah. because people know that they can 
doesn't matter what influence you want or what direction you're going into, you can just come here and you can tap into a, a particular scene or community and they'll have something really fresh and exciting going on. Um, but I don't think there is a particular sound right now, no. Because maybe there's so much. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, potentially, potentially, that is the return to that rare groove vibe where, you know, it is down to the skills of the DJs and the collectives to bring all of those things together, like the right the right people. Definitely, which probably makes it a lot easier for people like me who don't just play one genre because um, it's more of like a vibe. I mean, can you talk a bit more about the other collectives that you're involved with? Because there's a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm also, I'm in touch and bass, as you mentioned before. Uh, uh, collective, dance throwers, label, um, kind of pioneering black music, more on the jazzy side and stuff. And and then I'm also in another collective, this Babes. Um, started out as a club night, um, but now also kind of about curation and events. Um, and we're also DJs. Um, but also like more so about prioritizing the experience of um, and I think work of queer black people and people of color. So those are, yeah. Also still affiliated with the co-op Selectors Assemble Gang. Um, music coming out I think next year which is which is kind of the perfect meeting point between you two because that broken beat is kind of the exact midpoint and one of the most undersung parts of London history of the last 20 years or so like broken beat because because it really joined drum and bass to the kind of jazzier and more experimental and more electronica kind of um, scenes I mean first in the 80s like talking of these different kind of collectives that bring different groups of people together, you, you t to get house music, like before Acid, you know, there was the gay scene, there was jazz dance scene, there was the electro kind of things, there was the soul to soul things. Um, I mean, did you like spread yourself around different? Yeah, I was everywhere, man. I, was, I looked everywhere, you know what I mean? I looked everywhere. I, I looked in the, I, I, I love going to gay clubs that play disco and stuff like that. I love going to, I just loved everything, everywhere in the music. Some, some, some of the gay nightclubs, some of the gay, uh, clubs in the gay scene, the energy and just the, the music, some of the music selectors that play there are just some of the best in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? So I love going to um, gay, gay clubs. I love going to um, um, Heavens. was really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Heavens what, what really people good. don't realise is that... Uh -huh. Yeah, you never miss heaven. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm playing there next week. Rage, the return of Rage. Yeah, next week. So, well, what Rage was like the archetypal Rage, Rage hardcore like, club. Rage is like the the, 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 the mecca of this scene. You know what I mean, and and they're having a reunion on next Sunday on the eighth. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Which is you should come down, man. It's yeah. gonna be yeah, you should come down. You know and, and what people don't realize is that when Fabio and Groove Rider were playing, yeah. and kind of hardcore was being invented week by week, and then Jungle was being invented week by week. Week by week, I, 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 we didn't even know it. We just in, in going with the flow. We just going with the flow, and it was this thing was being invented right in front of our eyes. Do you know what I mean? Crazy. The thing that you know, I really wanted to like make the focus of this conversation is history and how that history is passed down. Frost, you talked about how Soul to Soul and all of the other sound systems and the clubs you would go to would play a mix of music across the decades. Across, yeah. You didn't have like people from underground music writing their biographies like you have. I know, but I think, you know, times have changed now. You've got the internet, 
People want to know. Before, you just now, people want to connect. They want to know about you. Do you know what I'm saying? And I was, I was um, blessed enough and lucky enough to be offered the opportunity to do that. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? But Which back then, back then, how did you learn? How did you find out about Music Past and about the old breakbeats? Oh, and... I just, I just, I come from a musical family, man. My uncles and that were into like. You know what I mean? Um, uncles and that were into that funk and like James Brown, Parliament, um, Jimi Hendrix, George Clinton, Miles Davis. I got a massive picture of Miles Davis. As soon as you walk in my house, turn left, you see Miles is looking at you, man. That is shit. <laughs> yeah, so that's, Miles is like, he's like my, one of my heroes, Miles Davis. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, Marvin Gaye. Do you know what I mean? I grew up on that shit. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's a good school to come from, you know what mm. I mean? I mean, this this is one of the things that's come through to me loud and clear from doing this book uh, is the importance of mass family culture. Yes, in the sense of barbecues, parties where you get a lot of generations together, yep. hearing music together. Yeah. Um, Errol from Touching Bass, who Shy you work with, we we did a talk at. Um, we out here festival and uh, you know Errol was talking about how more than anything he values just his home life as his musical education um and this isn't necessarily just a caribbean culture thing it's like as i was talking about sound system culture to friends people from like irish and spanish backgrounds kind of recognized it because they they recognized the the value of the family party as the source for for where where music and and rave culture comes from Obviously, with your family, you had plenty of musical absorption. It's funny that, and I always have to, I think I did this on the panel, I always have to, not correct, but just let people know that they assume, because my dad is Trevor Nelson, DJ, um, that I absorbed everything from him. But it was your mum. It's my mum. My mum was a raver, um, and she also collected records, and I lived with her. I was raised with my mum, not with my dad, and it's her. It's also Jazzy. Jazzy is my godfather through my that my dad chose him, but my mum was like, best, she's best friends with Jazzy. So I used to go around his house like every weekend and he would give me doubles. He would like play me stuff, show me his equipment or whatever. I'd ask him about it. Um, but most of it was from my mum. It's it's from uh, a raver's point of view, a fan, um, more so than a DJ. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's, that's super valuable. It's like one of the other younger interviewees in the book is, is barely legal and her mum was a garage raver in Birmingham, yeah. you know, and that's what, you know, she just had those mixtapes in the car, in the background, and so it's completely absorbed into her. It's like folk culture, you know. We're getting some badges made for the book that yeah. said bass culture is folk culture because that's what it's about. It's how it's handed down. But how did you seek out information i mean because you grew up in the internet age so yeah it's see this is what's really odd because even last night i was on discogs as i always am and i came across this tune you're all gonna know it and i was like oh my days this first i was like this is a banger and now i've realized that any tune that resonates with me it's because i've heard it it's like triggering some old memory and that's how i dig i realize it's just old old tracks but um Back, like, it's not until recent years when I've used, like, Discogs and, like, checking the credits and I've just start figured out that, like, so many of you guys from back in the day had loads of aliases. Yeah. It's that. So it's yeah, only yeah, in recent yeah, years yeah, yeah. using Discogs, like, um, wanting to keep track of my collection and seek out more stuff by similar people that I've actually... This is where I've, I've started to consciously research 
and like look into what studio is done at um the other alias of the person what label um yeah it's and you just get lost in it but that's to be honest it's, it's now that i'm really seeking things out like that like consciously i think before things were just there already they were in the house or i would come across them in record shops but it's only actually now that i'm really like consciously going back um and I I, I I mean I, I know this feeling all too well is uh, I just wrote a piece for the wire on um they asked me to pick out a favorite record sleeve and I was just rifling through my shelves and I pulled out um Ardcore by Wellard <laughs> well <on. laughs> which is a beautiful record I mean it's this is from when I was 17 it's it's like proto jungle 1992 and, and it's got this amazing dub bass line in it and this weird voice just going hardcore and I always assume because it's on the same label that it was an alias of Future Sound of London because it's on Jumping and Pumping which was the label they were on and they used to put out they had about 90 different aliases that they put out rave tunes on and it turns out no it's this guy DJ Reckless and I started googling him and this is the beauty of the modern age within about half an hour I'd found video of him as a teenager doing the scratching DMC championships in 1990 then I found another video of him like scratching up afro beats now and then I found out he made loads of garage tunes I found all his aliases then I found his email address and I dropped him a line saying I'm writing this article what are you up to he's like oh I'm making an album next year and now we're in touch and it's like wow the, you know this whole life it's history yeah, seriously. I mean, the 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 routine he did. It's like this 1990 UK mixing champion. Yeah, and he's mixing up swing beat and bashman and old reggae tunes, just proper with you know mixing with his hand under his leg and everything. Yeah, all of that. Like proper. Taking the t-shirt yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, absolutely proper. But you know, it was a beautiful moment. It was like suddenly all that history is available, but it's not just history. It's a person on the end of the email as well. Um, but do you ever feel swamped by all of that information? Every day. I'm, I'm swamped by the desire to acquire the information because it's, that's going to be ridiculous. It's not achievable. There's way too much. Um, it's, it's overwhelming, but it's also really exciting. Like, even now, off the back of this convo, I was like, oh, I was going to go studio afterwards. And now I'm just like, I'm just going to go home and go on Discogs. <laughs> and go through, like, some, I put up, uh, picked up some old records, some house records, this, like, last couple of days as well. I'm just going to go through them and oh, just, damn. just continue what, yeah. But, I mean, I've got, I've got this kind of vague theory that, that in the 2000s, it was like, I remember as a journalist, people kept talking about the iPod generation. It's like everything's available all at once and mash, mashups were the thing, you know. And it could seem like a complete mess. You'd get this whole new rave was kind of the aesthetic. You know, it's like everything slammed in and it was like Pete Doherty next to Lethal Bizzle next to yeah. some like. And I had disco it all on my iPod. Record. Yeah. You're fully right. It was. Um... You know, I, I realised, sorry now, just to answer your question properly, the one you just asked. Um, at the time, because we were so overwhelmed by having access to all this music and we could download it so easily, illegally for free via like Kazan and all these other things that it was just like collecting. So those years is when I like built up loads of like uh, an iTunes library or whatever that I have gone on to like actually buy physical copies or buy like good quality digi to support the people and stuff. But I think we were just so like overwhelmed by how much music we had access to and you could just download gig you could download someone's discography with one click yeah. so but you would it would take years for you to get around to coming back to it so i think 
a lot of us weren't researching and we were just hoarding <laughs> music. We were just downloading stuff that we still didn't even unzip five years later, seven years later. And now is when you're sifting through or like I'll find a track that I downloaded seven years ago. It's a banger that I've never heard. Mm. And then I'll look into the person and then I'll research. So I think at first it was just actually just like grabbing everything. It was like next sale, Boxing Day or something. Well, what I was, you know, what, what I was going to say, my, my, my vague theory is that people are finally getting to the point where they're finding their own aesthetics. Yeah within that, you know, rather than slamming everything together and just kind of using it as a grab bag. It's like people have now are handing down that understanding of how to navigate, I guess, through that music. Are you hopeful for what's next? In Musically? UK, London? Yeah, what? UK, UK. Do you, feel, do you feel like the lineage that has come to you through sound systems and jungle and soul to soul and all of those other things that like you know they're like titans in the in the background do you feel like that's being passed down or is it kind of being dissipated it's being passed down because it's people like me doing our thing so technically you know it is as long as i'm still doing it um and a few others but i think i don't think um a lot of it is being continued a lot of like their approach or the kind of ethos the morals the the like respect for it and the love like people have different love and passions for it but i think that coming from that lineage um i think it's getting a bit lost a bit fizzled out there's a few of us you know pioneering for it and stuff but um people will come back around there i mean there are people like you know, when Mala goes to do his weekend with Dub Chasm in Bristol and they get Congo Natty and old old reggae sound systems and stuff together and they're really trying to bring it together. I mean, does it does it work if it's kind of like people are going, This is this is all part of one lineage or does it have to grow naturally? I think it's really important to I think you can't I think it's important to touch base with like the foundations, with the legends, with the with the, the creators every now and then. Um, but like to pay homage, respect, to also check in and like get guidance and stuff. And to, I don't know, I think it's really important. I think you're not going to be able to progress unless you, I just think a respect thing. I don't know, again, because I came up under like Jazzy and my dad, like two people that probably gave me the most like DJ or three people that gave me all my like DJ tips and stuff and like uh, guidance was like Jazzy, B, H, B and DJ Blakey. Um, he just taught me like the, basics but them lot taught me about like warming up people and stuff like that and a lot of that my generation don't no. acknowledge like yesterday someone was posting on twitter about the d you you responded as well warm-up yeah. djs man yeah. and a lot of them that have that so i've got this like old like respect elders mm. thing with the art form with with the elders themselves I said, I said that was bad advice it was terrible yeah, advice. terrible right. advice Go, you'll see the tweet terrible what, advice. What, what was the advice it was like it was like Oh, I can't even remember, but it was just so disrespectful. Yeah, God. It was, if you're the warm-up DJ, um, you should just smash it out. Oh, but this was from DJ Carnage, right? He's, yeah, that's right. He's a hardstyle DJ. He's though. an EDM he's DJ, a, isn't he's, he? He's like a Guatemalan hardstyle DJ. He's from one of those scenes where people are just like 150 BPM pounders from beginning to end of the night. You know, oh, so, like, dude, that's <laughs> But just seeing seeing the thread, just seeing other people interacting with it and then people doing like taking the piss, having their little tweets afterwards, you, you still got the idea like those of us who... I was... I think I was an odd one out being a young person who was like, nah, man, you can still, 
you need to respect the warm up slot. You need to res- you need to not step on their toes. Blah, blah blah. It's it's a different game now. Not everyone has the values haven't been passed down. Basically, but, but the conversation is happening, and that is you know it, it, it that I thought I thought it was a really interesting illustration of the differences and links between different scenes and stuff. You could actually map it out if you were to trace that whole it was conversation. Yeah. There are different people from different genres that cross interacting. You don't really, you don't really get that a lot because people kind of interact with people in their own scene, but yeah. that kind of hit everyone. Yeah. Everyone, because I saw it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. And I just went you, in. You, you uh, like the first comment I saw back to it. And yeah. I, went, I was looking for people like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Because I never heard of that dude before. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Someone commented. I was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Nah, man." That's terrible advice. And it's like you're a bit dumb as well. Like, what the fuck? You gave very um, diplomatic response. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I tried my best. Yeah, I was like, fuck, what the fuck, man? You know what I mean? But Frost, I mean, same question to you. Do you, do you feel um, optimistic in the sense that... Because you've always remained within drum and bass, yeah. like, as opposed to Shy, who kind of exists within these various, you know, scanned across these different worlds. Um, but do you feel like what's happening in drum and bass now is respectful to the past, is handing on yeah, the I values. Yeah, totally I think it totally is, because the jungle, jungle is so strong. Do you know what I mean? It is so strong. No matter what genre of drum and bass comes out, it always gets dominated by jungle. Always. And, and people, even the people coming up now, they've, they've learnt the, the basic respect values of the jungle scene. And people live by that. You could always get the odd idiot, do you know what I mean? But people, by and large, live by the code. And, uh, I mean, your your sets completely contain that as well. I mean, you know, I saw you play for the first time in a while the other weekend. And um, just talking of uh, structuring DJ sets yeah. and, you know, not pounding it out yeah, for pounding yeah, it yeah, out's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. You know, you took it up, you took it down. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah, had yeah. soul, you had dance, all you yeah. had those elements in yeah. there. Um, I, I like to take it on the journey because people, you bang them out. People just, you know, you can't, you got to take it easy on them sometimes. Let them just kind of get a breather and then go back up again. And that's what I like to do. Do you know what I mean? Like but we, were you conscious about uh, sort of wanting to represent all of those elements that are, um, that I'm make it up? I'm conscious about it, but only if the record's good. If the, you know what I mean? The content has got to be right. Do you know what I mean? If the content's not right, I'm not representing Jack. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm representing good content. Good music made with integrity. You understand what I'm saying? People making good music. I don't give a fuck if you're famous. If you're not, some famous people are making shit. Right? They think, oh mate, you've lost it. Yeah, and I just have to just fucking let you go until you until you come back on track. You know what I'm saying? It happens. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's for me. It's all about the content. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it was um, as Michael Riley said in the intro to Basement's Tops. You know when reggae sound systems first kind of started adopting soul and hip-hop in the 80s which is what became that kind of that soul to soul thing um you know the decisions ultimately he he is a roots reggae guy was really concerned about this he was like these guys are selling out they're trying to be american and then he realized no this is sound system values what matters is does this sound good on my sound system that's that's all about that's all about Cool. Well, future's 
I don't know about bright because the, the bright. world is burning, but you know. The future's bright because <laughs> music will heal us. Yeah. <laughs> what have you two guys got coming up? I know, Frost, you've got a, you've got a record coming out, which is not a regular occurrence because. Um, I've got a record called Miss Jones coming out. This is like fucking a monster. It's turning mm-hmm. into a bit of a monster at the moment. Um, I'm working on an album at the moment. When's that happening? Album should be ready by June, I reckon. Do you know what I mean? And Shy? Um, I have got a bunch of tunes coming out on compilations next year uh, and a collaboration with Yeji coming out on her mixtape as well. And I will have a solo project for next year as well and hopefully get some of the unreleased material that I'm sitting on with Victoria Sin out there as well. Wicked. And the Spoons EP, as uh, we're reaching end of 2019, we have to flag up as uh, one of the highlights because if we, you know, a lot of what I, I've been writing about is how the British character emerges from the traditions of sound system culture. And you can't get more British than an EP about Weatherspoons. And for real, like, just thinking, of, I haven't listened to it in ages, but just like, I suppose this convo, it's a like shameless plug, but check it out if like you found this conversation interesting, because I feel like that EP really tied together like all of like my history and like where I came Where's from and yeah? yeah man but like <laughs> yeah it was like a it was like a grimy EP yeah. conjured in Weatherspoons sampling Ahmed Jamal yeah. talking about police brutality in London and yeah it was just a, it's a mixture of everything we've just been chatting about yeah <laughs> with a new yeah in this day and age so Superb. Well, look, I think we've tied an awful lot of threads together. Yeah. It's like tangled threads, but, you know, we, we got there. So thank you so much for your time, both of you. Peace, everyone, man. Peace.